you enjoy me scrambling to find my stool? As if I couldn't be up here without it, huh? Hey, you guys have been uh, sharing your stories with me about how you have been uh, generous towards others, and thank you uh, for sharing. Uh, here's some of the stories I heard this week. I heard about uh, one lady at Crosspoint who uh, took some food next door to a neighbor and blessed them. Another Crosspoint guy helped his uh, sister move this week. Um, one of my favorite stories uh, this week was a Crosspoint lady who went to Burger King one day for lunch. She, uh, she uh, stepped up to order, and uh, after she had placed her order, the guy who was standing there waiting on his order said, I'm going to pay for hers, and paid for hers, and she walked away and thought, I wonder if that was somebody else from Crosspoint who just paid for my meal. But she, if it was, she was very blessed by that, and uh, thank you for doing that. On Friday, I was uh, driving into the office, and uh, I thought as I was driving in, I think I'll have some uh, Chick-fil-A for breakfast. So um, as I continued to drive, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go through the drive through I'll pay for the guy behind me to be generous. And then I thought, kind of a step further, you know, I don't have one of those little cards, so I guess I'll go to the office first. And I went to the office and kind of had to search around because uh, Shelly's so organized, they were already put away for Sunday. And so I found one of those cards and got back in my car, drove over to Chick-fil-A, went through the drive through line, but noticed as I'm placing my order, there's nobody behind me. Well, I thought certainly by the time I pull around to the window, there'll be somebody else that comes up to the drive-thru, but yeah, no luck. My heart was right, you know. I wanted to be generous, but there wasn't anybody to do it. I'll keep trying. Well, uh, our roadmap for this uh, journey towards generosity has been 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to read again for you verse 17 and remind you what Paul says there. He's writing to some people just like us, and he says this in verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, and that would be all of us, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope or their trust in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope or trust in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. But you know what the truth is? For most of us, our hope, our trust is in our wallets. Stuff in our lives, is God's main rival. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said one day, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There is a choice that has to be made. Now, think about your wallet for a second. And by the way, I happened across a website this week where they were selling a variety of styles of wallets. I thought you might appreciate some of this. Maybe you're doing some Christmas shopping for somebody. Here's some ideas. Uh, here's the first one. This is legitimate. This is right off their website. You can actually buy these. It looks like a cassette tape, a wallet that looks like a cassette tape. Some of you aren't sure what that is. It used to play music on it. Um, th- this one uh, looks like an envelope. I'm not sure what it's made out of, but uh, that's another wallet. here's another one. Uh, this is an old Nintendo-looking game. You know, do you remember those? Now, somebody in first service actually had to remind me what that was called. Here's another one, uh, a crossword puzzle. My question about this one is, so after you, like, do the crossword puzzle, you throw the wallet away and have to get a new one, or just kidding? Uh, that wasn't even funny, was it? Uh, one more, your uh, duct tape wallet. Do you remember when that was a big deal? People were making things out of duct tape. You could have a wallet made out of duct tape. Well, when you think about your wallet. Do you realize how many people in our culture today 
think that the key or the source of happiness is found in the contents of this container? I mean, after all, this is where the God of money lives in our day, isn't it? This is the shrine or the temple at which so many people in our culture today worship. We think that in the contents of this container is the source of success, satisfaction. And honestly, it's where we find our value in this container. What if that isn't the source of real value? I guess the question to ask is, are you holding it or does it hold you? Jesus said this in another place in Luke chapter 12. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, Jesus would say real life, the kind of life that God desires for us to have, the kind of life that God designed us for, is not found in our possessions. In fact, if you remember back to the first week, we read there in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul says that we have the ability to take hold of real life. We can have the kind of life that God wired us up for, the kind of life that God desired for us. How do we have that? Well, Paul said we have to trust God, do good, and be generous. The question is, am I placing my trust in God or in my wealth? Jesus told a story about a rich young farmer, and this farmer had an enormous harvest one year, so enormous that the grain would not fit in his build his barns. So he decided he would tear down his barns and he would build bigger ones and he would fill them with the harvest of his grain. And this cycle sort of seemed to repeat itself where he was so captivated by more and bigger and better. And as long as it was more and bigger and better, his life was filled with happiness. He would eat, drink, and celebrate life. But you know what his folly was? His folly was that in the storage of grain or in the building of a 401k or funding an IRA, that all of the human struggles of life would somehow disappear. He was worshiping at the shrine of the bulging barn, but it was an empty worship. In fact, Jesus wrapped that story up by saying this. He said, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So I guess the question for us today is how do I move from putting my trust in my wealth to really putting my trust in God? Well, I think some things that God says through His prophet named Malachi have some insight for us. In fact, I want to encourage you to open your Bible up to the book of Malachi. Now, this is a, a very little book at the very end of the Old Testament. And so actually, if you go to the book of Matthew in the New Testament and just turn back a couple of pages, you'll find the book of Malachi. And I want you to open this up because I want you to read it for yourself today and see what God said to His people and to see what He says to us. Malachi chapter 3. I, I was uh, remembering this week uh, when uh, our family lived in Finley, Ohio. We lived in a small a house. In fact, this is our house. I found it on Google Earth this week. Mom and Dad, they painted it. I'm not sure it's as good of a color as we painted it. but uh... So here's our house. And I remember my brother and I coming home from school one day, riding the school bus. And we got off. And I noticed that the 
front door is ajar a bit. And I uh, didn't think much about that, but my brother and I walk up the sidewalk, and we get to the front door, and we see our toaster sitting on the front porch. And obviously, that's not where we kept our toaster. Something was not right. And I don't know if we just weren't smart enough in middle school to know better, or we were really that brave, but we just went right on in the house and quickly discovered that we had been robbed. Now, I don't remember where they were, but our mom and dad were out of town this day in a nearby town doing something, and so we got on the phone, called some friends, and they called the sheriff, and you know, started that whole process. But you know, after that, there was this sense of uneasiness for us. It just doesn't feel good to be robbed, does it? There is a sense in which we feel like we have been violated. We have been mistreated. And it's just, it's not good. Well, in Malachi, we'll find the story of some very unusual thievery. In fact, probably the last person in the world that you would ever expect to be wrong is wrong. Look at Malachi chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 8. Now, the couple of verses right before this, God is sort of having a discussion through Malachi with His people about returning to a healthy relationship with Him. They have kind of strayed from God. They've gotten involved in some sin in their lives that has taken them away from their relationship with God. And God is inviting them to return. And He asks this sort of rhetorical question. He says to them, maybe you're wondering how it is that you would return to Me. And then He answers His own question beginning in verse 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob Me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. God is the victim of thievery. The nation of Israel has been robbing God because they haven't been honoring Him in the way that He asked them to with their finances. You see, a long time before this was written in Malachi, God had given His people, His followers, some very clear principles about how to manage their money, how to have a healthy financial outlook. And He told them very practical things like uh, earn your money ethically. You know, don't no backroom deals, no corruption. He told them you can earn as much money as you want, but do it ethically. He encouraged them to spend their money wisely and to avoid dangerous debts. He encouraged them to save money for the future. He encouraged them to use their money to help the poor. He encouraged them to take their money and to be generous towards other people. And in the process of laying out this whole plan for financial management, God institutes the principle of the time as a way for them to continue to demonstrate their obedience and for them to be reminded of the importance of placing their trust in God and not in their own will. And so for a long period of time, the people did exactly what God had said. They continued to follow His financial principles. They honored God with the tithe. But in Malachi's day, in Malachi's day, people had started making some decisions, some financial decisions that were unwise and were disobedient. They no longer were placing their trust in God. They began to place their trust in their own wealth. And they were robbing God. Now maybe it happened like this. Maybe for one of them they would go to the market one day and they would go there in the open air market to buy some things for their family, food or other necessities that they needed. But while they were there, 
they'd see something in one of those open-air booths that they'd think, boy, I'd really like to have that. And they knew it wasn't really in the budget, but they wanted it, and so they'd buy it anyway. And then as they walked home, they would try to think to themselves, now how are we going to pay for this? It wasn't in the budget. What are we going to do? That's what they would think. You know what? If we don't give our tithe to God this week, that'll take care of us. That will just keep that 10% for ourselves. And everything will work out. Or maybe they would decide to, to build a house. And they'd budget it all out and it was well within their means. But then as the process of building the house got started, they would think of all these extras that they wanted to add in. And they'd add these things and it would kind of blow the budget and so they'd have to figure out where's that money coming from. And for six months or a year or some length of time, rather than giving their tithe, their full tithe to God, they'd keep some of that money and kind of rob God in the process. Or maybe one day there was a reduction in their hours at work and so their income was cut. And rather than just adjusting their tithes to their current income, they decided to make up for the shortfall financially. They'd just keep their tithe and not give it to God. Maybe, maybe for them, it looks something like this. Brought the pie.
pie looks awfully good at this point in the day, doesn't it? For a guy who ate breakfast many hours ago, that looks really good. You know what in Malachi's day? They found all kinds of financial reasons to not trust God and to hold back the 10% of their earnings that God had given them in the first place. They found all kinds of reasons for giving everybody a piece of the pie except for God. And enter Malachi, God's spokesperson, who comes then to sort of reset the bar, to reset the standard for them. And maybe before he speaks these words, maybe there was some conversation that took place. Maybe Malachi said to the people, you know, nobody likes to be robbed, do they? To which they would have responded, of course, nobody likes that. That's a terrible thing. And maybe he said to them, you know, none of you would ever rob your friends or family, would you? To which they would have responded, well, no, we would never do that. And he probably would have agreed and said, that's right, you would never rob your friends and family. Then why are you robbing God? Why are you holding back what is really His? Now, as I read that story, I am so thankful that that's a story of the past. Because that never happens today, right? I mean, people today would never rob God like that, would they? That's just something that happened in ancient times, right? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid we discover today there are people that are still robbing God. In fact, if we were very honest this morning, there are people here that are choosing to rob God. Let me share some statistics with you. Our giving here at Crosspoint in this calendar year has averaged just over $7,900 weekly, which isn't bad. But you know, last week we asked those who were here to anonymously share with us their household income for this calendar year, and a large number of you responded. Thank you for that transparency. And so we took those numbers this week and we averaged that together. And we know basically here at Crosspoint a conservative guesstimate of how many giving units are represented in our church currently. And so we took that average household income, figured out what a tithe would be, and based that on the number of giving units here at Crosspoint. And do you know what our weekly giving should be if we were all giving to God? Our weekly giving average would be over $22,000. You see, the reality is even here, There are some, unfortunately, who choose to rob God. Now, Malachi would have said in his day, this is a a heart check. This is a heart check for all of us. And maybe, maybe today, he would look at all of us and say as well, this is a heart check. Maybe he'd ask us things like, how can you look at the cross of Jesus Christ? How can you look at the empty tomb? How can you examine the sin in your own life and then see the incredible grace that God has poured into your life and forgiven you of all that sin? How can you look at all of the good that God does? How can you look at all of the blessings that God pours into our lives and then quibble over giving 10% of your earnings which God made possible in the first place? I think Malachi would also have pointed out that this 
is about the God battle that goes on in all of our hearts. About whether or not we will really put our full and complete trust in God. You know, this issue of tithing, giving 10%, which by the way, Jesus affirmed in the New Testament as something that Christ followers still ought to do today. This issue of tithing brings to light in all of our lives who's really winning the God battle that rages in our lives. Are we really completely trusting God? Well, when you think about this issue of robbing God, when we choose not to give to God, God is not the only one who is robbed. Listen to what it says in verse 10 of Malachi 3. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which was representative of the place that you worship, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. When we choose not to be a tither, when we choose not to be generous towards God, we not only rob God, we rob ourselves. We rob ourselves of all of the incredible blessings that God wants to pour into our lives. His richest blessings come to those who completely place their trust in God. So I find it interesting that this is the only place in the Bible that I know of where God says, test me. Test me in this. In other words, try me. Try me and see if I don't come through. And I think God would say to those who choose to rob Him today, try me. Try it for three months. Try it for six months. And see if I don't provide for you. See if I don't care for you. See if I don't pour out my blessings on you. Try me. And see what I do. Now I know this morning, in a gathering of people of this size, there are probably some who are very uncomfortable with the discussion of this subject. And maybe you would think to yourself, if that's you, you know, Jeff, talking about generosity towards others and serving people and taking care of other people, I'm okay with that. But this kind of crosses a line when you start talking about my money and being generous towards God. But let me ask you something. Suppose here at Crosspoint there were, I don't know, a hundred people who were involved in adultery. Wouldn't you expect that we would bring to light that subject, that we would challenge people with the truth of Scripture and ask them to make a change in that area of their life because it was spiritually killing them? You know what? This issue is just as serious a spiritual issue for our lives. This is not a financial issue. This is a spiritual issue. It is an issue about whether we are going to place our trust in our own wealth or we are going to place our trust in God. Suppose this morning that I had God pies to pass out to every one of you. And actually what you're wishing right now is that I had apple pies to pass out to every one of you. But suppose I had God pies to pass out to every one of you and you had the opportunity to cut that pie however you wanted to. How would you cut it up? 
And would you make sure that God got His peace? I love that verse in Proverbs 11.24 that we keep coming back to in this series. It says simply, the generous, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know what? That verse applies to this part of generosity too. If I want my world to get larger and larger, if I want to take hold of real life like God wants me to, then I have to place my trust in Him. And I have to demonstrate that trust by giving to Him what He's asked me to give. If not, then I become, I live in the world of the stingy that gets smaller and smaller. Would you pray with me? God, I think that we would all admit to You this morning that this is not an easy subject for us. That all of us, God, at times struggle with whether we're going to place our trust in our own wealth, if we're going to find our identity and our value and our possessions, or whether, God, we are going to place our trust in You and find our value and our identity in You. God, it's a struggle for me some days. And I ask that You'd forgive me. And You'd forgive those in this room who would admit to You right now that they also struggle with it. God, would You help us to have the honesty to look deep into our own lives today and to be honest with You about this part of our lives. And Father, for those in the room that this makes them uncomfortable, would You give them the courage to honestly examine what the Bible says and what You have called us to in our lives. God, I pray that as we trust You in this area, that You would fulfill Your promise to pour out Your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.